Awesome. Praise God. We've had ourselves a, an interesting uh, evening as we came in and all the power worked everywhere except for the lights and the sound and we couldn't, man, we were all over the place trying to figure out what was going on and nothing was working and, and uh, I don't know, somebody jiggled something and it all came on and then we saw it just jiggle a little bit there. I'm like, oh no, not in the middle of the service. So, All right, praise God. I have a word for you tonight, and of course, we just finished uh, our entire multi-week expose on the seven letters to the churches in Revelation, and I hope that I hope that it was uh, that it ministered to you and blessed you. And I don't sit down after a series like like that and say, "Okay, Lord, what's next?" kind of thing. You must want something different now. I mean, obviously, I'm open to say, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? But he hasn't released me from this conviction about preparing his people for his return. I, I, and I'm not saying, would you release me from this for crying out loud? No, I'm not. No, I, I may be doing this on Wednesday nights as long as I live. I don't know. Or until the Lord comes sooner. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Right? But I did sit down and say, okay, Lord, I've, I've, I've taken this journey all the way through here on this, and I know, Lord, that the conviction's still there to continue preparing your people for your return, but what, where would I go from here? Because obviously we just finished a block of information, and I haven't had a, a conviction, if you will, about Let's just go line upon line through the book of Revelation. That has just not, never in this process has that been my goal or my conviction about this. But uh, honestly, I could preach just about anything in the Bible and it would fit into the box of preparing people for the Lord's return. You know what I'm saying? But I think that it was important to kind of continue to talk about end times. And so I, I, I got a lot of notes here. It's just what came out of me yesterday and today. And as you know, I have a, a black journal, and I just write everything that, you know, the Lord's speaking to me in this black journal. And then I, after I feel like I've put the period on it, I grab my computer and start trying to type it up. And, and so much of this just kind of just spilled out of me, and, um, and I'm hoping that I can share it in that same way. So I may be referring to my notes maybe a little bit more than normal. Um, and I've also decided, for the sake of Cole, for you, for doing the videos that we usually have, like we had the seven churches, uh, Laodicea, you know. Right now, what I'm just going to call this is preparing the, for the Lord's return and the date. What you see on the run sheet for the message title. I don't, I don't know any other way to really title it at this point. So tonight is preparing for the Lord's return, April 14th, 2021. <laughs> um, These days, there are so many voices out there screaming loud with so many different messages, so many voices out there that, quite frankly, most people aren't certain what to believe, what not to believe, what to swallow, what to spit out, especially, and I don't say any of this to offend anybody, please, I I don't have a, a, uh, a cell in my body that says, ooh, let's see if I can hurt somebody, because that's certainly not it. But especially when it comes to the, the multitude of so-called prophets, the prophetic voices, 
that have been prophesying so many things, particularly in the last year, things that I haven't addressed, things that I haven't talked about. Um, and, and quite frankly, they're prophesying many things that are simply haven't come to pass. They're simply not true. Um, all of you, all you have to do today uh, to uh, gain a YouTube audience is put prophetic word in the front of whatever it is that you're going to do and your audience will multiply exponentially just because you got the word prophetic word or prophetic utterance. Now, y'all know I believe in the prophetic. I believe in prophecy, okay? Um, so, yeah, just title it a prophetic word about the election, a prophetic word about some political leader, a prophetic word about coronavirus, a prophetic word about 2021, a prophetic word, etc. Etc., etc. The issue is at, at, at hand, really, and I've watched it happening, is that many of these so called uh, prophets have uh, proven themselves to be quite untrustworthy. Um, many of our, and forgive me if I keep using this, this phrase and I got it in here in quotes, you know, so called. I don't mean that in denigration at all. At all. But many of our so-called prophets in the land have prophesied things to come that have not come to pass. And what's more unfortunate is they don't seem to be held accountable for their error in any way, shape, or matter. Um, other than a very few of them that I know about, three, quite frankly, that I know about, um, that, that came forward to say, we missed it, and, and really apologized and repented to the body of Christ for, you know, giving false prophecies. The others, I think maybe they're just uh, tucked away in anonymity till the dust settles, or in the case of some, shake my head, are still standing on their prophetic word as though, you know, basically claiming adamantly that what they had to say was accurate, even though it didn't happen. Don't y'all stare at me. I knew I was going to share some stuff that was going to be messing with a few people's it ain't theology, whatever it is that, you're that I'm messing with. What's potentially, though, un more unfortunate is the number of good, sincere Christians who are still following and believing in those untrustworthy prophetic voices. That troubles me. It bothers me um, deeply. I'm astounded, and I'm quite frankly unnerved that even when they have prophesied a specific thing and it proves out to be completely false, people still blindly follow them. And uh, trust me, I will be going, I'm going somewhere with this as it relates to end times. Not, I'm not mad. I'm not, you know, spewing and bloviating and opining and all those other words that Jonathan loves to look up. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, why would somebody do that? Why, how could a, a good, solid Christian be so naive as to listen to prophetic words from so-called prophets that they said certain things would happen on a, you know, at a certain time and they didn't happen and still just blindly follow? I remember, I can't remember the name of the dude you know, years ago that said the Lord's coming back in 1988, I think it was. And then when it didn't happen, he just wrote another book called The Lord's Coming Back in 1989. And people bought it! They just, people, Christians just follow so naively toward this voice 
or that voice. So I am getting somewhere with this, but it astounds me and it does unnerve me. Why would someone continue to follow and listen to a proven, untrustworthy voice? Now, call me skeptical. When people abuse the pulpit or abuse the word or abuse the gifts, I don't necessarily just erase them or wipe them off as they're, they're, they're still human beings who are misguided and misled. But I've had people, for example, that, that hasn't happened in, in this pulpit, well, I guess one time, but uh, that person's also never been back again. Um, but up north, uh, we had a, a person come in and gave a false prophecy in the church. And it was a clear, clear cut. I mean, when he did it, every one of us was just like, ooh, ow, ooh. We just knew this, something was wrong here, and it didn't come to pass. And I ultimately, that guy was a real good friend of mine. He, st- he actually still is a very good friend of mine. And I called him, and I said, you've got to come back and repent. You've got to come back and fix this. And he did. He, he flew all the way in from out of state to come fix it. And that's, that's, that's integrity, though. Because guess what? Prophets can miss it. Are, are you with me? That's why I hold in honor the three that I've been able to find who actually stood up on their video platforms to say, I'm sorry, y'all. I, I got it wrong. It happens. And we, sh- we should honor that. I've had good ministers stand behind the pulpit and decide they wanted to use vulgar language as a part of their shock and awe preaching style. Never to, one of them was a spiritual father of mine at one time. He came to my church in West Branch and went down that, that vein, and he never spoke in my church again. Um, you don't abuse the pulpit. You don't abuse the holy desk. And because people are listening. And I don't mean to say that you're naive big birds just saying, feed me whatever, and I'll open my, my mouth and swallow your regurgitation. You know, the eagle, the eaglet. But the body of Christ by far are people that will just listen to just about anything. And if there's some good scriptures connected to it and there's enough charisma in the speaker that's saying it, you'll be like, whoo, did you hear that? Next thing you know, you're passing it on. Some of them uh, prophesied that COVID would be over last year. Yeah, in fact, and I, w- I want to call his name so bad, it's killing me, but I'm not going to. One major prophet that I'll bet some of you support said it'll be over by April. Prophesied it from the holy desk. You think that person has stood up and said, I missed it, body of Christ. Or how about those that prophesied with great adamancy that President Trump would be reelected in 2020? Didn't happen. Some of them are going, well, it's going to happen. And some of them are going to go, when he gets reelected in 2014, see, I told you. So the list goes on and on, and yet people keep on swallowing the falsehood. Keep on following them. Keep on sowing finances into their ministries. Keep on listening to them. And I just ask with a resounding shout, why? 
Why? There's too many voices out there. And the spirit of deception is, is harder at work right now than ever before in our history to deceive even the very elect. I would be shirking my responsibilities to not warn you of these things and to call it like it is. The only thing that I can think of as to why good, solid, good, solid Christian folks would swallow some of this bilge is that it's very possible maybe they don't have a, a, an authentic, realistic relationship with Christ enough to believe that and to trust that God would actually talk to them. Enough to trust that they could actually hear the voice of God for themselves. So they then bank on the voice of some other superstar. I don't want nobody banking on my voice. David and Sherry can tell you this. We grew up in West Branch together. I'd get behind the pulpit many times and say, I'm not a Bible scholar. Don't you walk out of here swallowing everything I have to say. I'm going to work hard to bring you the truth. But you go home and you measure that message out with what you read in the Word of God and with what bears witness in your spirit. And I'll still say that to this day. I've said it many times, right, Dave? You remember that? But you know, we're listening to so many different voices. We can't shut the YouTube down. We can't shut the Facebook up. We can't turn off. We're, we got idols. I mean, there's so many places that I could go with this, but quite frankly, people have, have resorted to depending on the voice of others instead of the voice of God that each and every one of us can hear. I don't get an ex. I don't have a red phone in my bottom right hand drawer of my desk. Hello, God. I got a call. No, I get. I have to go through the same filters to hear God's voice as any of the rest of you, and I have to be careful too about who I listen to outside of the Word of God and the very, 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 very. Did I say very? By the way, very few trusted voices in my life because I don't believe in having too many voices. Job had that problem. Y'all remember what happened with Job and the too many voices in his life. If you don't remember it, go read it. Bring me a report. Friends, there's just too many voices. And it is my job, I believe, a mandate from God to prepare you for his return. And if I don't be honest with you about some of this stuff, and there'll be other things probably that I haven't talked about over the course of time that I will talk about as the Holy Spirit releases me to do so. But we need to trust the Holy Spirit to individually lead us and not be reliant on the so-called prophetic voices on YouTube and other platforms. Many of you all should shut them off, especially if they've given false prophecy. That bothers some of you because you think, well, they missed it once. They should repent. They should say to the body of Christ, I missed it. Please forgive me. Guess what? I'd then listen to that person again. There's one problem that my pastor, Pastor Barkley, told me years ago that we had a lot of ministers that were falling away. Um, even the one spiritual father that I have had that I told you about that misused the pulpit, he ended up 
running off with his secretary and other things kind of like that happened. And then they come back and want to stand in the pulpit again. And I understand that God can forgive. I mean, God can forgive and God can restore and the gift is without repentance, right? We understand that. Here's the problem though. When the, once the priestly garments are stained, they're always stained in the eyes of humans. Some of you can think of at least one major televangelist from the 70s and 80s who ended up having an affair and although he's still doing it and God has forgiven him and the body of Christ for, at large has forgiven him, you can't watch him without seeing the stain on his priestly garment. It's a, it's, a, it's a serious deal when ministers of God abuse their authority and their position. The horrible side effect of this, besides people being led blindly, is that it's the mistrust that's then bred into the uh, hearts of people to not listen to any of the good voices, any of the good apostles, any of the good prophets, any of the good evangelists, any of the good pastors, any of the good teachers, because it only takes one to sully the pond for everybody else. I promise I'm not mad. I know I read this several times today and I went, man, it sounds like I'm trying to make a statement or something, but I'm preparing you for the end times because People have a tendency to just listen to anything, swallow anything. People who need to hear the truth after the pond's been sullied, people who need to hear the truth then put their fingers in their ears to the voices of those who are speaking truth because they can't trust anyone. See, when you blindly chase after the prophetic, you put yourself in a position to miss what God's saying right here in his voice to you every single day. Right here, baby. You think my whole phrase about keep your nose in the book is just some clever statement that I like to repeat? No, no. I realize this is the answer. Keep your nose in the book. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, if you'll turn with me real quick. Uh, trust me, I have some verses so you know at least that I'm preaching the word of God and not just bloviating. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me, please. Verses 11 through 13, reading from the New American Standard Bible. Am I doing okay, Bill? Is everything good? Okay. <laughs> He's about halfway back, so I figured he'd be a great barometer about what's going on in there. <laughs> and he gave some apostles. I'm going to back up just a little bit to the last part of an Old Testament phrase in verse 8. He gave gifts to them. Going now to 11, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. These fivefold ministries are gifts to the body of Christ. Thank you for your enthusiasm. They're there for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man or woman, excuse me, to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. God has given us these gifts. He's given us the gift of the apostolic. Yes, praise God for the gift of the apostolic. But when you run after that, like many did in the apostolic movement of the early 90s, 
saying that if you weren't being apostolic in your own church, that somehow you were missing God and you were totally off base with what the Holy Spirit was doing, guess what? That person and that church often then fell out of balance. God has given us a gift. He's given us the gift of the prophetic. Praise God, yes. But when you run after the prophetic like so many did in the early 2000s when the prophetic movement hit, you know what, saying, coming back to their churches and saying, well, pastor, if you don't do the prophetic, then you must have missed God. I lived this, okay? I'm not just reading stuff that I've read in some YouTube, heard in some YouTube channel, thank you very much. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've seen, I've seen people leave a good foundational truth gospel message church because they weren't, too, they weren't apostolic enough, they weren't prophetic enough, so they're missing God. That's an imbalance. Hear me, beloved. Every move of God is not intended to become a movement. Matter of fact, the church ought to have a movement, and maybe it'd be a little bit cleaner about a lot of things. You'll get that later on. <laughs> Turning every move of God into a movement is not God's doing. That's man's doing. Oh, God is moving in this area, so let's create a movement about it. Friends, I dare say that that's the devil's playground. That is the devil's playground. He divided the body of Christ on the subject of baptism. He divided the church on, well, is it full immersion? Is it sprinkling? Is it infants? Is it adults? Is it is in the name of Jesus? Is it in the name of the Trinity? He divided the body of Christ on tongues. Is it from God? Is it from Satan? You didn't speak in tongues, so you don't have it, et cetera, et cetera. He divided the body of Christ, the church on end times and the rapture, pre-trib this, post-trib that, dividing, 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 dividing by creating movements that cause division within the body of Christ. And it, dividing through deception is the devil's playground. Why am I spending so much time doing this, sounding like I'm just orating my, my angst, which is not what I'm doing. It is that we are in the last days, and these are the days where the playground of deception for the enemy is going to come full power. And I don't want you deceived. I don't want you deceived. It's escalating in these last days. And I'll tell you right now, it will multiply exponentially in these last days, much faster than it has over the course of time. This deception that beloved people like you could swallow. Don't think any one of you are immune to these things. We got to be diligent. Awake, alert, on fire, in the book. Keep your nose in the book. Your knees bent to heaven and your body in the house of God. We just had a pastor's roundtable meeting here with 35, 40 people. I don't remember. There's a whole bunch of us from all over the state, even uh, YouTubing in from California. And that was our discussion about the, the necessity for pastors to keep their nose in the book, their knees bent to heaven. And, and, and although we're going to be in the body of in the house of God because that's what's expected of us. We also want to be in the house of God. So in that setting, keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven, and stay connected with other believers in the body of Christ. 
So we need to run after the Word of God, folks, like we have never run after it before. We need to rely on what saith the Lord instead of what says some man. Because guess what, folks? Prophets can be infallible. Excuse me. Prophets can be fallible. Apostles can be fallible. Evangelists can be fallible. Pastors and teachers can be fallible. Guess why? We're human. We can make mistakes. I've made a number of mistakes, and I can't, I pray that I'm correct about this. I, don't, I can't think of one mistake that I've made publicly before the body of Christ that I haven't repented to the body of Christ for. I just don't, I can't, I can't stand behind this. This is not a podium. This is a pulpit. This is a place where a man or woman of God stands behind and imparts the word of God. This is not just a place to, of oration and speech. I'll tell you one thing that is not fallible, and that's the infallible, blessed, holy word of God. It is forever true. It's settled in heaven. It's decreed. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. You can live by it, and you can die by it. Count on it. Amen? It's without error. It's God-inspired. It's God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 from the New Living Translation says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. I'd like to just stop right there because that says it all. But it says, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to every good work. But just going back to the very beginning of that in the New Living Translation, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is truth. We need truth. The truth has been mixed and blended down with so much distorted, perverted lies that it's hard to tell that the water's even tainted. We need the written Word of God. We need our Bibles. I got my Bible on this electronic device and my other electronic device and that computer and that computer and that computer, but nothing matches. Nothing matches the written word of God bound in cowhide. Come on, somebody. If you're an animal lover, bound in paper. If you're a tree lover, I don't know what to tell you. It's nothing like this. There's nothing like the sound of pages turning. I'm sorry. Are you looking at me funny? Do you not remember the days when you popped the top on a can of bud and went... And you love that sound? Uh-huh. Some of you remember, oh, yeah. How about when you open up your Bible and the page, one of the best sounds a preacher can have in a message is hearing pages turn in people's Bibles as they're going to the verses. The smell of it. Nothing matches the written word of God found physically in a physical Bible in the hand. I, I recently heard a pastor say that they no longer come to the pulpit with their Bibles. They only come with their device. And forgive me for sounding judgmental, 
But there's something fundamentally wrong with a preacher coming to the pulpit without his Bible. It's wrong with, there's something wrong with things when, as I said, this pulpit becomes nothing more than a podium. When it's a holy, it's a, I know it's a piece of wood, it's just a piece of furniture, I understand it, but there's something holy that happens right here. There's something fundamentally wrong when this, this platform becomes a stage. Because a stage is where entertainment happens to appeal to the flesh, but a platform is where a message is sent forward. There's something wrong when this room turns into an auditorium and isn't recognized as a sanctuary where the good people of God come to have communion with our Heavenly Father. Even words have deceptively changed how we look at the very things right in our midst. David, am I doing all right? Okay. In a minute, I'll ask somebody who will probably tell me the truth. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I've been teasing Dave all afternoon. I'm sorry, brother. Dave will tell me the truth. <laughs> he might come to me later. and You really messed that one up. But. Friends, the enemy is hard at work. He's hard at work. And the problem, and I think what is maybe causing me some righteous indignation is that he's hard at work from within. He's hard at work from within. He's hard at work distracting people from the much-needed truth of God's Word. Just get them focused on Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and anything and everything but reading the Word of God. Get them focused on just asking Alexa to read to them that verse. I, I, I only recently heard a pastor say that's how he does his Bible reading. He grabs his coffee and says, Alexa, read me Ephesians. I'm not saying that that's all bad, but it ain't all good. That's the same person who don't carry the written word with him anymore. There are so many voices speaking so many things mingled with truth that the body of Christ has a hard time telling what's real and what's false. That's why I stand before you tonight and, and over the years that I've been here and, and prayerfully over the years to come to try to be a voice of reason, a voice of the truth, the Word of God, to help you be prepared for the days ahead, to help you be prepared for the Lord's coming. I'm not doing it to be mean. If there ever was a time to get serious about the Lord's return, it's now. I still feel deeply compelled, deeply compelled. You can tell by where I'm going after doing the seven churches of Asia that this is where I chose to jump off the platform. Deeply compelled to continue this journey with you. I can promise you that I won't be re referring to famous so-called prophets. I won't be banking on the uh, opinions of media pundits. I'm going to plant my feet in the one firm foundation that I know of, and that's Jesus Christ and his word. I'm going to plant my feet there, and I'm going to pray diligently as I have done for 25 years. Lord, guard me from error because I'm a voice to the ears of your people. And quite frankly, some of you will believe anything I say. 
You make sure you go home. Like, be like the, the, the Bereans in the book of Acts. They were considered noble. Be noble like those noble Bereans because they receive the truth, but then go home and check it to make sure that it's actually biblically correct. I'm almost done with my introduction. <laughs> oh, Lordy, have mercy. I want to prepare you to move forward in power in these difficult times. It isn't, it isn't a time for the, the good saints of God to shrink back, but to stand up. I want to, through the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit, equip you to move forward in power and victory in these trying times of spiritual darkness that we're all facing right now. See, the problem in the human tendency is to relax. You know, election's over, coronavirus this, coronavirus that, blah, 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 mask this, mask that, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, people just file into line. I think there are many people that are wondering, even wondering, Wow, really, are we in, in the end times? You know, Pastor started this thing in 2020. When everything started falling apart, of course, that's the time to talk about end times. And nothing happened. Is he just on his hobby horse? Is this his Tower of Babel? Is this the end? Is this the end? That's an important question because that's the question the disciples asked Jesus. They said, Master, will you tell us what it'll be like in the end? You remember that? I got just a few minutes left. Why don't you turn with me to Matthew 24? I told you all this was leading somewhere. It wasn't just me up here, you know, spewing off some of my frustrations about the things that's happening across the spiritual landscape of the church. Matthew 24, I'm only going to read verses 4 through 14 and I'm going to talk a little bit as we go. We'll get as far as we can in the next 15 minutes. 7.46, our Wednesday service has usually been about an hour. So it's about how, that's about how long I can stand listening to myself. So. so they had uh, just begun to ask him, what's it going to be like? And in verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, look at the first thing he says. See to it that no one misleads you. See, everything I've had to say, I told you I was going somewhere. <laughs> that absolutely has to do with the end times. This is exactly what I'm talking about with some of the so-called prophets in the land, and this is precisely my point about listening to too many voices. That you just go, oh, yeah, and swallow it, lock, stock, and barrel. Verse 5, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Verse 6, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but this is not yet the end. Remember the question I just proposed, is this the end? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Luke in his same retelling of this story, adds one additional word to it that wasn't reflected in Matthew, and he adds the word pestilences. 
Luke 21, 11, there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. The definition of pestilences is infectious or contagious diseases, much like we've faced with coronavirus, much like they've made us believe somehow that there's other more insidious and maligning infectious and contagious diseases. They've said something about this next one that's coming to 70 times more contagious than the last one. I don't know whether to believe them or not, but I know the Bible says it's going to happen. And it's right there, pestilences. Verse 8, but all these things are merely the beginning. Dear Lord. All these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. But once, once, birth, once labor starts, it typically doesn't take long before a baby is birthed, right? These are the beginning of the birth pangs. Remember I said that things will begin to escalate faster and faster and faster. And that's kind of what happens when a woman gives birth. She goes nine months and then there comes a point when the water breaks and then she goes into labor. And For some that's a long laborious thing and for others it's like boom there it is and it happens. But that when labor, when the water breaks and when labor begins there's an expectation that somebody's coming soon. Yeah. I remember when Diane had our first one, she said, I don't care if you take that thing out of my nose, get it out of me! (laughs) Jesus is saying that these things are just the beginning, but that's not just the beginning, it's the beginning of birth pangs, it's the beginning of labor. I want you to recognize words mean things. It's the onset of the birth pain. Something's about to happen. Is it the end? Not necessarily, but it's the beginning of the end. And I'll, I'm, just, I, I'm not just one of those preachers that just keeps hammering, we're in the end times, we're in the end times. I mean, that's not been the focal point of my ministry. It's been the focal point of what God's had me doing since 2020. And he won't release me from it. We are in the last days. The birth pangs have begun. Verse 9. This is one we really don't like. Because then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Here Jesus clearly tells us that we'll be hated because of our faith. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that we're living in a, in a day that hate and vitriol against Christianity is at an all-time high and openly public. They'll put confinements on Christians that they won't put on Muslims. They'll put confinements on Christians that they won't put on any other religion. Nothing against Black Lives Matters, but there's just a, been a story recently of, I think, of a, uh, an 8-year-old or 13-year-old girl that was told to... was taken out of school because she wouldn't remove her I love Jesus mask, but students in the same class could sit there with their black lives mask. I mean, I'm not denigrating that, but the point is Christianity is under attack. People are hated. You're hated in the society that we live in today just because you proclaim the name Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that that is true. It's happening at an exponentially fast rate. We're experiencing it right now in 2021 with what happened in the election faster 
than ever before. If you're living an open life for Jesus, and I pray that you are, you're a target. Bearer of good tidings and sweet joy. But you are, you are, if you're living an open, I'm out of the closet Christian life for Jesus. Hey, Christians have been in the closet way too long. Not the gay closet. You all know what I'm talking about. We've been living as double agents, secret service, secret agents. There's no such thing as a 007 secret agent Christian. We are not covert. We are overt. We've been in our prayer closet so long that nobody even knows we exist as Christians anymore. So if you're living an open life for Jesus, you've got to be feeling it. We can see and feel the marginalization of our faith from the top, from the top government all the way down, the marginalization of our faith. It's like the world is looking at Christians with utter contempt. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, Jesus did say you will be hated by all nations because of my name, because you proclaim faith in Christ. I don't know about you, but I can feel the mockery. I can feel the malice. Uh, I don't really know who Little Nas is. He's some rapper. I think he's a gay rapper. I don't know. That's irrelevant to me. He's a rapper. Uh, he put out a music video. This is what is relevant to me. He put out a music video in connection that was connected to a shoe that was created. I believe, there's not certain whether this is completely accurate, but it, it does uh, pan out um, and it has been vetted pretty good. Me and Emily really looked at this deeply where there was a, supposedly a contract between Lil Nas and Nike to create a shoe called the Devil Shoe. It is a, a red shoe with a demonic emblem on it. It's got Luke chapter 20, 10, 28 written on the side. If you don't know what Luke 10, 28 is, it's where I saw Satan falling from the sky like lightning. It's got 666 written across the back of it because they only made 666 of these, of these pair of shoes. Like the, like the Nike Airs have a bubble of air in the back in this particular shoe. I know this all sounds like it's, this has been vetted out. This part, I don't know how much of an agreement they actually had with Nike, but I do know that this, the, the shoe thing is accurate. They put red fluid in the air bubble and a drop of human blood in every shoe. Okay, that's bad enough. But in his video... He has a sensual, erotic dance with Satan. That's as far as I'm going to go with it. That was as far as I could watch it. And then I went, okay. I not only shut that off right now, but I also went back into my history and eliminated it. So not only did it never show up again, but anything connected to it never showed it up in my YouTube again. It was that obscene and horrible. I couldn't get past a few seconds of it. That's not about the mockery. Saturday Night Live only just a couple of weeks ago decided they would do a spoof of Lil Nas's demonic video, and only this time they did it with Jesus, and they had Jesus Christ sitting on a cross, and they did their sexual, sensual, erotic dance with Jesus Christ. It's a mockery. This is the day that we live in, and people celebrate it because they hate you and me. They hate you and me. I'm just waiting for the clock to tell me I can quit. <laughs> oh, 
us, who can I ask? <laughs> oh, am I doing all right, Larry? I think so. Okay, I like that. Praise God. Hear me, beloved. Sin and wickedness is coming to full maturity, and Christianity is being attacked at every front. And we've understood in our reading of Scripture before, as we started this whole journey, that the Lord will not come back until sin had reached its full course, had reached its... I don't know how much deeper it can go. Oh, yeah, I guess I have it written here. I'm looking for a good stopping point. Hey, we're not doing too bad. I've only got, I've done 15 of, 15 of the 17 pages. <laughs> Apparently, I haven't taken too many bunny, bunny trails. I'll just finish her up. How's that? Is that all right with y'all? Verse 10, at, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. When you consider traditional biblical values, so many Christians have shrunk back by not standing up for biblical truth. Churches today that are leaving sound biblical denominations because they want to support the LGBTQ and be a open church. Churches that for a number of years now have ordained uh, gay people to stand behind the pulpit, somehow look over the scriptures. I don't know what the deal is. But the people are not standing up for biblical truth, and they're not standing up for biblical morality. And especially when it comes to the gender identity confusion that's going on, where gender no longer is based on where you are, excuse me, on, on, on the way that you were born, and it's no longer based what's, with what's on your birth certificate, but it's just based on how you feel. I heard... Uh, a report from Canada that uh, there's uh, at least one person who's decided to go down this path. It seems a little tongue-in-cheek, but you know you can't get your Social Security until you're 65, and he was 45, but he said, I don't identify as a 45-year-old. I identify as a 65-year-old, therefore I want my Social Security. <sighs> Immorality is reaching an all-time low. Truth, in New York City, a parent is suing the New York laws in order to marry his child. Hmm? I know, we, we should shake our heads. It should break our hearts. It should make us mad at the enemy. Maybe mad enough to do something about it. Maybe sad and mad enough to say, I'm not going to be deceived by the false voices. I'm going I'm to have the voice of God in my life, and I'm going to bank everything upon the Word of God. If it doesn't match the Word of God, I'm not going there no matter how much I like the person. See, the end of this still matches how I started this whole thing. This may not be the end, but it's most definitely 
the end times. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Where did it start? Jesus said, don't be misled. In many churches today, the gospel, is being, the gospel that's being preached is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a different gospel. It's a gospel of self. It's not a, a gospel of dying to self. It's, living, it's a gospel of living for self. It's not a gospel of sacrifice. It's a, it's a gospel of get all I can. It's not a gospel of, uh, 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 of, 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 of holiness. It's not a gospel of crucifying self, as the Scripture clearly tells us to do. It's a gospel that says, I don't know. I don't, I don't die for anything. I live for myself. The Bible teaches us. Jesus said, if you, if you live for yourself, you're going to die. You have to die to live. Galatians 6, 8 says, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You're not in the popularity club anymore, y'all. There, were a day, there was days when Christianity was a popular thing. Now it is a, a disease in the eyes of the liberal left that says it stands against the freedoms of people. It's, it's the insidious nature of the enemy to deceive people in this way. And people are following, following for it right and left. And as I started this whole diatribe off, falling for it by listening to the voices of false prophets. Verse 12 through 14, I think that's it. Yes, boy, we're going to get there. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. You can't watch a single news report without seeing hate and vitriol and and. You know, horrible, horrible things are happening. I mean, the, this police officer that accidentally pulled her taser or pulled her gun when she thought she had her taser and shot that young man, that is horrible. It's awful. Awful for that young man and awful for that family and awful for her. But yet the hate that rises from that regardless of, you know, this was not done with the intent to do some racial killing. It was horrible, horrible accident that should never have happened. I agree. But it, the, the hate, I, they're probably, listen, while I'm preaching right now, they're, they're probably barricading the police station in Minneapolis and other things for the things that are going to be, the, there's no love anymore. Ah, uh, but 13, praise God, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The end, by the way, is the Lord's day, the day of his wrath. Okay, All that has a connection to things that we've talked about already. I'm going to close this up. Oh, it says close. Hallelujah. We are living in the days described in the verses that I've read. I mean, let's get real for a moment. We are living in difficult times and difficult days. There's not a lot out there that brings to true peace of mind. There's not a lot out there that um, multiplies joy in the hearts of people. Um, one thing that is true, that we are in a spiritual battle right now. 
And we are instructed to be soldiers of the cross. We better be militant about our faith. I didn't say become violent and carry guns on the Capitol grounds. You know, I'm going to stand up for my faith. But you know what Jesus said? He said this. He said, when you see these things that we've just read in Matthew 24, when you see the division in society, when you see the division in the church, when you see a loveless, untrusting, suspicious society, when you find yourself hated because of your faith, shut down because of your faith, and shut up because of your faith and your confession in Christ, you know what he said that we should do? He didn't say get fearful. He didn't say get discouraged. He didn't say tuck away and hide in your fancy churches. He did say this, though. He said that we should look up, for our redemption draweth nigh. Luke 21, 28. But when these things began to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise in the house. and I did all 17 pages. I can't believe it. Praise God. Well, we'll see what the Holy Spirit brings us for next week. I pray that you all know that I don't preach this way because I'm an angry preacher. I am angry at Satan. And I'm angry for what he's done to the body of Christ. I'm angry for the way he's fooling people, tricking good saints of God. We should be angry about that. We should go to our prayer closets and pray like we've never prayed before. And I pray this, that the one thing that I've said is my coined phrase for all these years that I will say, who knows, maybe it'll be written on my epitaph, on my tombstone. Keep your nose in the book. Keep your knees bent to heaven. And for God's sake, keep your body in the house of God. Amen. Stand with me and let me send you out blessed. I hope you are blessed. Father, thank you for giving me the word to share. Thank you for giving me the courage to share it. Thank you for giving me the love with which to share it in. Thank you for opening our ears to hear and our minds to understand and for our hearts to receive. Your words are often tough words, but they are words that bring such life and such healing, true peace, true joy. And so I pray, Father, that you would go with each and every one of my brothers and sisters tonight. Keep them blessed, healed, safe, and in peace. I speak Psalm 91 over each and every one of you. I call you blessed. Have a good week. We'll see you Sunday morning at what time? 10 o'clock. God bless you.